Hi, I'm Colin Stephen from Velocity Press, and you're listening to the Us People podcast with Savia Rocks. another episode of the Ask People podcast. I'm your host Savvy Rocks and I'm lucky enough today to have Colin Stevens here who is a book publisher, a magazine editor and also a speaker. Welcome, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, thanks for inviting me. Oh no, thank you so much. So you're a speaker, book publisher and you also do magazines. Tell me a little mm. bit about your background first of all in what actually got you into it. Well, I mean, I started writing about uh, kind of club culture a very long time ago, and that kind of got me into writing kind of like freelance. So I kind of started off. I mean, I, I, I didn't actually show much interest in it. So I, I liked English. I, I read a lot, um, but academically, I, I think I, did. I was okay. I wasn't amazing, but. Um, at that time, I just I saw an advert in a, a Glasgow um, <laughs> listings magazine. They were looking for a clubs editor, and I thought that sounded like a great way to get into clubs for free. <laughs> and it was, and it was, you know, like I was saying, it was a kind of a, I wrote this really cheeky letter and kind of got, um, you know, I got the job basically, and I yeah. just I was like, shit, I'm actually going to have to uh, yeah. deliver. And like I was saying, and that, that was that was it. Kind of kind of got me started, and like I was saying, uh, that kind of led on to kind of writing more and more kind of stuff, and then kind of trying to write for other magazines, becoming a bit of a freelance journalist. Yeah. So that's how it kind of got me started with, with magazines. And I, I set up my own magazine, uh, Knowledge Magazine, in 1994. That was kind of like mostly drum and bass, jungle. Yeah, and, I was uh, website. Yeah. yeah, and then kind of I did, I did a book, or published a book by Brian Bill Fortune in 2004 called All Cruise. That kind of got me into kind of doing books uh, as well. And... Yeah, the last few years, like I say, of kind of the speaking things, kind of a lot of people because of my experience now kind of want me to kind of appear on panels and kind of be a moderator and things like that. So I've started doing that as well. So that kind of taking me out of my comfort zone a little bit that <laughs> one. But uh, yeah, it's, is that it's a good fun. thing? Is that a good thing to come out of your comfort zone and and to oh, do definitely. other things? Yeah, yeah, challenge yeah. yourself. You know, as I'm saying, you get too easy and you know too complacent sometimes just doing yeah, you true. know the, the same old the same old thing you, you, you've got to keep challenging yourself and like i say I'm, I've, it, it really takes me quite far outside my comfort zone um sometimes when you're there on stage and you're kind of all these people are looking at you but um <laughs> yeah you know i, I enjoy it gets the adrenaline going yeah most definitely tell me a little bit about where you grew up so i grew up in, in glasgow in scotland um so yeah that, that was I had a great time. I mean, it's funny. I mean, the, the, the Glasgow music and club scene is, I, I didn't really appreciate how good it was until I left. Uh, I just took it for granted. You know, I used to go to see a lot of indie gigs in the mid 80s, uh, um, a lot of different venues, particularly the, the one back Glasgow Barrowlands was, was, a, was a great uh, place. Saw so many good kind of good bands there. And that kind of, uh, you know, bands like the Smiths, Echo and the Bunnymen. So it was more oh, like wow. kind of indie kind of stuff I was, cool. I was going to go and see. Yeah. And it's funny because I mean, I kind of getting into hip hop. Um, was kind of got me into kind of dance music and I remember there was a band called Big Audio Dynamite oh, it was Mick Jones from The Clash he kind of ah, kicked yeah, out okay. The Clash and he formed this band with Don Letts and they were, they were kind of pretty big uh, for a while like I say in the mid 80s had a few kind of top 40 hits but they kind of uh, had a really a great tour they did at the Barlands and they had about seven support acts and one of them was a guy called Schooly D probably 
the original kind of like gangster rapper from Philadelphia, like I say, and um, his breaks have been sampled everywhere. You you know his breaks if you if you heard them. Anyway, just that just blew me away. Like I say, I remember seeing him. The crowd hated him. You know, what I'm saying you've got to remember as well. Probably this yeah. is 99 white as well when Glasgow Bar lands. And I saw so many great hip hop um, gigs there. So like Public Enemy, Eric B. McKeem, LL Cool J on on the same bill. That um, and that got me going into clubs. And uh, one in particular, the sub club is quite famous. Uh, that got me kind of going there. And this was kind of like, like again, more like the late 80s. And it was more kind of like Rare Groove and hip hop they were playing at that time. And then kind of Acid House kicked in. And, you know, the sub club was a place to be. It was I mean, I was there some Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It was, it was fantastic times. And, yeah, I, and I, left, I left Glasgow in 1990 to go to Liverpool. But, I mean, Glasgow, like I said, again... Um, when I kind of look back, like I say, it was really, really quite far ahead of its time. The, 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 how sophisticated the the club scene was, like I say, the promotion, the parties, like the scale of it was, yeah, it was, it was ahead of its time. Ooh. What made you realise that you wanted to be a book publisher? What What made you realise that this is actually something that I want to do? Well, you know, it's funny because it kind of, I mean, knowledge was, uh, I mean, it'd been going quite a while, and I had no real plans to kind of get into book publishing i was quite happy being a magazine publisher but then like brian bell fortune approached me uh, he had published the first editions of all crews book in 99 and it sold out and done really well and i think he wanted to kind of take it to the next level so he approached us because knowledge had been going for almost about 10 years at that point and it was doing quite well he's thinking i do words they do words you know i need a bit of a helping hand kind of take it to the next level so he approached us and um yeah kind of through that really like I saying but I mean we, we I got a bit carried away with economies of scale with the, with that book I did about 8,000 copies uh, which is, is, a, is a lot I mean I think I was doing about 40 or 50,000 with knowledge at the time so I was thinking you know 8,000 <laughs> small fry you know yeah. I, remember, I remember seeing the first lot of books when they arrived you know, like I was saying because all the books I mean everybody got to see the magazines really you know you got a few uh, but they just kind of disappeared into the shops and you didn't really see them again but obviously the books you get delivered and it's just like shit that's a lot of books <laughs> how is how is it for you when you first got published because I know everybody has a different feeling I was speaking to an author yesterday who had mm -hmm. his first book published for the first time and he was telling mm -hmm. me it, it was like a 13-year process for him to get his book done because obviously he had things going on in his life and, mm -hmm. you know, he had to spend time doing that and it took him a while. But for you, um, obviously you have way more experience than he does. So how was it for you getting your book published and doing the magazines and how was it all for you? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because, again, knowledge, I mean, it started off like so small i mean the first issue was in 1994 it was like 12 pages a5 black and white so so it was i mean it was a tiny little fanzine and, and it just but it was all small steps like real small incremental improvements so we all tried to make we always tried to make each issue especially in those early years bigger and better somehow in the last so you're talking like more pages more colors bigger size you know and it before about five years you know suddenly it turned from, from this small you know little quite amateur fanzine into quite a kind of professional magazine um but i mean i always you know, the, the best day 
of doing any magazine is the day it gets delivered from the printers. You know, I mean, the excitement, I still get that with the books, you know, and when you see it and you're, you know, you're actually physical. physically you know, yeah. holding it. Because you can see the proofs and you kind of imagine what it's going to go look like until you actually see it and yeah. feel it and, sm- and smell it as well. Like yeah. I'm saying, the smell of a new book, you know, <laughs> is the, all the, oh. uh, the sensations is, you know, is, is, is great. And like I said, and it, it's difficult because the, the magazines, you know, there's such a quick turnaround, you know, we're doing it every like, five weeks. So you kind of, but the, the books, I can imagine this author you're talking about, you know, it's, it's taken a long time, you know what I mean? And, and it does take, I mean, we just did a book called Join the Future. Uh, that's was the first book with Velocity Press. And the guy was working on that for like 10 years, you know, and it's like, you know, probably seriously for five years, but the idea, the original idea was 10 years. And, you know, that's a long, long time. I mean, it's different because I'm, I'm not a writer. Um, you know, I'm a book publisher, so I'm doing like three or four books a year. But even still, you know, I mean, it's it, it takes a while and, you know, like it can take a, a year or two. So to kind of, to get this, like I say, when, it, when it's back and it, and it looks amazing, you're just like, yeah. you know, again, you can't beat that feeling. Are you, are you a book publisher where you only specifically do music books or do you do all round mm. books would you say electronic music and club culture yeah that's our that's our little niche so okay. um yeah so what would you say if someone's bringing a book to you what do you look for as a book publisher even if it's within the music genre what do you look for what stands out to you will i be able to sell it yeah fair enough is there a market yeah. Is, yeah, there a mar- is there a market for it yeah you know will, will people buy it i mean I get some really good ideas. I mean, and again, it's sometimes because I'm it's, okay. We're, we're fairly specialist, and it's quite a small niche that we're in. I don't really want to kind of have a niche of a niche. You know, I mean, some guy, like I said, uh, this Italian guy approached me. Like I said, I think he was doing some sort of t- techno in in Rome and something. I'm sure it's a very interesting story to him. He probably, you know, it's very important. The story needs to be told. But I'm looking at, you know techno again it's a kind of it's, a, it's a quite a big genre but you're, you're you're talking quite a kind of narrow kind of market there probably will just appeal to kind of people in italy maybe particularly rome and that's a small market so i'm looking for kind of first of all you know biz, with my business head on you know will i be able to sell it is there a market for it uh and and then you know you're, you're looking for things like you know uh is it a, how well can the person write you know kind of and, and a lot of other kind of um things after that so so if someone's bringing something to you what do you expect because um i heard that with book publishers you have to write like a script or a letter to present the book what do you look for when someone's presenting it to you i mean somebody can come to me with a little germ of an idea you know they can kind of just a quick pitch and, and from that i can kind of think well yeah there could be a market there, there might not be. So don't have to come with a kind of a serious proposal. It's better if they do, because I will, I will ask for that. You know, even if it's just a little jam, I'll send them away and kind of go, okay, well, I want more of a serious proposal. Uh, you know, after that, you know, kind of tell me, like, so who, what who the market's going to be, you know, so I'm saying what other similar books there are, you know, I mean, a synopsis uh, and, you know, maybe uh, some examples of, uh, you know, what it looks like, especially if, if it's, if they've started writing already, it all depends. They might have started writing it, they might not have. Yeah. If they have started writing it, uh, I would like to see something, you know, like no, I said. So, that makes total sense. Uh, yeah, like I said, but yeah. I see these proposal. Can you talk us through the process of a start of the process of publishing to the end of the process of publishing a book? Yeah, I mean, so 
I mean, a good example maybe be able to be like, like join the future. That was our first book. So I kind of uh, Matt, like this is a guy. He's already been kind of writing it for for quite a while. He hadn't finished it, but I kind of approached him uh, about a year ago, just just over a year ago. So I mean, I, I kind of I set him a deadline to to, to finish the book. So I think uh, when the the book comes out, you're probably looking at about. So you set basically a, a publishing date and then you're looking at kind of probably three months kind of before that um, as when you're going to maybe kind of need the advanced kind of information sheet. And that's the sort of thing where you'll kind of, the, the pub, the, the, that's a distributor wants. They want that six months in advance before the kind of the book comes out. Um, so that is, you know, like for that, that's basically for the, for the book trade. So you're on that, you'd have stuff like the kind of synopsis, um, some sales points, some quotes from people that, you know, uh, that unrecognizable figures who, you know, are basically validating it. Uh, and a little kind of author kind of biog and a, and a book um, cover. So you'd kind of get the book design kind of done first, just the actual cover. This, you know, you can kind of amend it later down the line, but you want to have that cover kind of design. So that's probably one of the first things you're going to have are going to have done. Um, and then after that, you'd be looking at getting, probably putting, the, I always try to put the books on sale, um, do a pre-sale. Uh, that would probably come next, maybe uh a couple of months that's probably four months three or four months i would say before the actual um book goes on sale i put i do a pre-sale uh, so I, and I offer things like uh, get your name in the book uh, signed by the author and you'll get it maybe like a month in advance i always try to kind of have give myself like a, a month window yeah I'll, I'll basically yeah. be able to sell the book exclusively yeah. um you get the, the probably double the profit margin uh selling it direct is what you do uh, selling it through a shop i mean shops are important i, I love bookshops but uh, I've always tried to kind of sell as many books directly as possible. So doing a pre-sale is important. I mean, again, that's handy because, you know, cash flow, you know, it's a very cash flow intensive business. You're basically putting all your costs up front. Uh, but it also lets you know, kind of, you know, gives you an idea of how many copies to print. Um, or you're kind of sticking your finger in there a little bit and you can see, like I'm saying, straight away how many copies, like I'm saying, and how much interest is there in this book already. You can, you can see that's, that's, that's important as well. So then you're probably looking at um, maybe two months. Let's have a look. Well, three months, I would say, you're probably looking to kind of get the, the basically the finished manuscript from the... The, the author so three months before the actual publication date and then you'd be looking at you know uh, doing some proofing of that uh, maybe checking a few things with the author so we spend a few weeks doing that then you're looking at getting the book typeset finishing off the kind of the, the design as well so and then you're probably talking about five weeks before it's going to come out it's going to the, the printers and then you'll need about five weeks to kind of get it printed and then you're going to get, get the books back you know delivered to you so and then i'll spend like i say about four weeks actually selling it exclusively and then we'll go and sell in the shops so. wow so it is quite a long process yeah yeah i mean you're probably could be nine months or something even a year really depending probably less than a year but i would say kind of around about kind of yeah nine nine months is probably when you're you're looking at yeah do you ever get stressed dur during the process yeah, there's always little things that kind of come up. I mean, the the, the most recent one, um, you know, so much 
stress. But I mean, it was uh, the, the, the book with Junior Tomlin. It's just coming to come out. That's going to come out uh, next week, and there was so much back and forth between the the, the printer and the the designer, the typesetter, and he kept doing something wrong like I was saying the, the printer was like no this this format they've done you did this and it, was, it took about two or three weeks to get that sorted out and it's like so I've missed my four week opportunity to sell it direct with this one it's going to basically just go straight into the shops but that was getting me stressed like I was saying with, with everything yeah. else that's happening at the moment as Aww. well um you know it's just like oh, just get this yeah. I mean, between because you're kind of in the middle yeah. and you're just seeing all these emails you know and they're kind of like no no Flying this is this is wrong this time. You're like, you know, surely get guys. I mean, get it sorted. You know, so that was that wasn't a, a minor stress. I can I can handle that. Like I said, probably been more stressful if I was doing like a book tour and everything. Usually, I, I would be doing that, but I'm not doing that, so it doesn't really matter so much. Um, it's just annoying missing this four week exclusive window. But you know, it's, it's not the end of it. So it's actually only going to come out slightly late in the shop. So I have it. It's not too bad. But yeah, there's always little things like that that, that will come up. You know. Uh, that'll stress you things are not quite going according to plan but as long as they're not uh too major, major. i can handle it yeah what's the first book you ever read first book ever read yeah oh if you can God. remember yeah oh. <laughs> <Your face. sighs> i don't know i mean um i'm bringing you back a mean, bit you're back i mean i don't know what i'm saying it's probably are you talking like something my mum read to me like i say when i was um, like, oh, or my kind of actually yeah you you the first book you physically said to yourself okay i'm gonna read this book this is the book i'm gonna read because i generally like it it i have a connection with it it intrigues me Do you know what? It, it was probably something in school i used to be on, into these kind of like kind of like detective kind of novels ah. but it was kind of like i don't know do you remember the hartley boys yeah it'd be something like that you know like i'm saying because they were kind of these two kids in america i think that kind of did all this amateur detective stuff you know kind of it would be something like that but i mean i, I was I, I, a particular memory from school like i said i was i was really into reading books at, at school and there was one time it was like lunchtime and i was kind of reading my book and um I really wanted to finish the chapter and I think they, they rang the bell and you had to kind of, this was inside, you're allowed to be inside the classroom um, and you're supposed to kind of go back to your desk and kind of, they had this kind of like, you know, remember those kind of bookshelves that kind of, that you could open and close? Oh, yeah, like I said, yeah. so, so I kind of hid myself kind of behind that so <laughs> you couldn't see because I really wanted to find it and it's like, where's Colin? And they kind of eventually found me kind of reading kind of there, kind of trying to finish stuck. this kind of chapter and it was probably, this is primary school, about nine or ten oh, wow. and I, I think a teacher kind of, you kind of find it hard to give me into trouble you know what yeah. I mean it's kind of like you're taking a bit such keen interest in reading and uh but yeah I did get into trouble as well but a few kind of people that are kind oh. of from my, my class that have found out what I'm doing now they're kind of going well it makes sense you it know? does make sense because I've everyone that I've interviewed so far I've I realized that they have a passion for what they do since they were young and mm -hmm. it's influenced them now so they are on the right track of doing exactly what they need to be doing because they've been doing it ever since they was a child or young I can't believe yeah. you got in trouble though because you were reading a book. I thought the teacher maybe would have turned around and said, "Oh, that's a good thing," <laughs> rather yeah. than get you in trouble. I, I think it's just kind of they had to kind of show the kind of like you can't you know when they, when the the bell goes you have to go back to your desk Strict. sort of thing yeah. you know you kind of so they kind of got into a little bit of trouble but I think they were kind of yeah not <laughs> what, too much. What do you feel like um, is a common trap for writers that they get into when writing a book? Uh, I think sometimes they've got 
a great idea and but it's, sometimes it's, it's the structure you know of, of the book like i say pulling it they've got great ideas but kind of putting it all together and and, and, a, and a narrative as well like i mean a, a cohesive narrative that runs through the book um and that kind of sometimes can be kind of hard to achieve and it's you know it can be very, very overwhelming, like I say, in trying to kind of put a book together. I think sometimes people kind of get great ideas, but actually kind of the, the, the physical kind of structure and narrative of pulling that together, I, I think people, they, they can fall into a trap of kind of struggling to kind of just make sense of it all. How do you know as a book publisher that you found talent, that you found a great book to publish? What does it do to you? How do you feel? I mean, you don't know. I mean, again, it was like it's funny one because like Matt Annis, this, I mean, I set up Velocity Press just over for well, the first book came out in November. But like I said, I found kind of this this guy Matt Annis to do this book called Join the Future. Like a kind of year ago, and it was just you know, he, like I said, he'd all be I'd been writing it, he'd been writing it for quite a few years, like I said already. But and he showed me like a, a kind of a sample, like the, the introduction. And reading that, I was just like, yeah, this, this is great. But I mean, it's a pun, you know, uh, is it? It's a complete punt. Uh, I, I, don't, I, was, I thought this, this sounds like a, a great book, like exactly what I want to do. Uh, but until I kind of got the manuscript and kind of got it out there, you kind of it's a leap of faith, you know. Um, and once you kind of now I know, like I say, Matt's a great writer, like I say, but it, you know, but it is a, it's, it's quite a leap of faith because a lot of these people are you know, music journalists. And it's a different thing writing, you know, a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, five thousand, ten thousand words feature to write in 70,000, 80,000, 100,000 word book, you know, because it has good structure and, and, a, and a narrative, you know, so yeah, like I say, it's, again it's, you, you think these people are capable, but you know, in, until you get it back from them, you know, but again, you'll be getting first, you'll be getting drafts along the way, you'll be, you'll be checking in with them, you know, like to, to make sure, and you're giving them feedback. Uh, but yeah, I mean, when, when you do, I mean, like the feeling, like I say, of Finding a great writer with, with like, say, Matt, with Matt Hannes was, was, a, was brilliant. I mean, it, it's it put Velocity Press on the map, this, this book. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's such a good book. Um, I was so lucky, like I say, and it was, I, I found them just by kind of Googling on the internet, really. So, oh, wow. Yeah, I was just, you know, I was looking, because I've obviously got the background and knowledge. Yeah. So you know exactly um, you know, what you're looking for. There was a lot of writers there. I was kind of yeah. going, I want to set up a book publishing company. You know, have you got any kind of ideas for books? And nobody really had anything that I could do within that time frame. So I just went on to uh, the internet and did a quick search for like kind of electronic music dance journalists. And I came across uh, Matt. I'd been interviewing a guy called Matthew Collin, who's done a couple of books called Rave On and Alter State. Really, really good writer. He used to be editor of ID. Uh, so I approached uh, I kind of got found his page, uh, his, his, his web page, Matt, and I sent him, you know, tell him what we want to do and, you know, if he had any ideas. And he said, yeah, I've got this book idea for this book called Join the Future. And I'm, as soon as he sent me the proposal, I'm like, yes, you know, this, this is it. And, and it really, you know, I'm saying the feedback, I mean, it's, it's, it's been amazing. Like I said, again, and it entails, uh, it kind of breaks the kind of the, the dominant narrative of that because it's become kind of bleak techno um so this kind of very kind of short-lived overlook kind of music scene from 89 to 91 of this kind of the, the, the dominant myth of kind of how acid house kind of started in this country you know so many people believe that you know it's very london south centric thing and it did play an important role london in the south but it was you know as much uh,
um, about the even Scotland as well. Like I say, you know, you know, interesting things will happen around the country at that time instead of kind of you know, uh, four boys go to kind of Ibiza, you know, kind of Apollo Control, Danny Rampling, etc. Set up Shum and you know, uh, Spectrum and you know, Acid House was born. That, that's that, you know, that kind of counters that myth. So a lot of people, you know, have kind of appreciated that. And like I say, and I'm, I'm getting some very interesting people uh, now wanting to write for Velocity Press some good established names because of that book Okay, tell us a bit about Velocity Press now Now that we're on the subject please tell us about Velocity Press what you do in it, how it all works how it all started Yeah, I mean, I've probably told you quite a lot already so I mean, it's kind of so. I mean, basically, I mean, I did Knowledge Magazine um, until about 2014 uh, then we kind of stopped it like I say now just kind of ran its course we kind of we, we stopped the magazine in 2009 and we they kind of ran uh, for a while kind of online um, until 2014 and it was a bit of a shame it kind of just ran its course um, so for about five years I was kind of doing a lot of kind of corporate stuff um, working I do a lot of IT kind of things and I kind of saw because I wasn't really involved with kind of music but all crews like I say my, my 8,000 copies like I say they were sold about 3,000 off the bat and then kind of they just slowly kind of dwindled but I can, that's what kind of kept me that kind of involved and I just noticed this book just kept selling you know with no promotion whatsoever just kept selling to, to word of mouth physically as well like was, although it is available as an ebook, it was predominantly physical so I knew kind of people were interested in good books music non-fiction books and for for so long you know doing this five years it was kind of in the wilderness you know kind of i, I missed kind of music scene and kind of publishing and being self-employed uh, just you know I, I didn't really enjoy it i was making good money but it, it wasn't it wasn't for me so eventually i did decide that i kind of i wanted to kind of get back and it was there was a few different ideas and then i just realized like a, a, a pure light bulb moment is just like book publishing you know so many of my other ideas were like things that uh, had to do with other people and I was kind of relying on them uh, but then I was just thinking book publishing is actually something I can I can I can do myself you know I, I need the writers obviously but I can do everything I mean it's like a complete one-man band you know I, I do you know a lot of all you know probably loads of freelancers but you know the, the marketing the, the distribution um these with printer that's that's all me all the project management kind of side of it really i suppose so yeah i mean just over a year ago i kind of got like a laid off from my, from my job and i got a bit of a redundancy pay so I, I knew i could kind of it could buy me a bit of time um to kind of get the company kind of set up so like i said so just over a year ago i, I kind of set it up we published the first book um join the future um in november i've told you quite a lot about that already how that kind of came to be did another book called uh, State of Bass, um, The Origins of Jungle Drum and Bass. That uh, is a revised reissue of a book that came out in 97. Uh, obviously, some subject close to my heart, Drum and Bass, so it's that's that came out in March. And then we've got this third book um, coming out uh, next week. That's Junior Tomlin, Flyer and Cover Art. So that's quite different. That's Junior Tomlin. He used to design a, a lot of record covers uh, for bands like... Uh, Renegade Soundwave, um, you know, back in the day, and he worked for like companies like Mute, Kicking, uh, Vinyl Solution, um, and then he designed like all these kind of crazy rave flyers that earned them the the moniker the Salvador Dali of rave, you know, real far out kind of, you know. So this is more like a, a really kind of deluxe coffee table book, which is quite different from the first two. They're more like you know your paperbacks, you know, very text heavy. Uh, so it's again, and I don't want to. 
be kind of again velocity press is electronic music and club culture um so i don't it needs to be quite i don't want people to pinch in holes we do a certain type of book we certainly cover a certain type of music i want it to be i mean i would even consider doing you know something about electronic music in the 60s or 70s but you know sort of pre-acid house uh, you know i don't want to be kind of known for doing just one thing it's good to be kind of open to yeah have your niche yeah. but kind of not, not like, like i said earlier don't you know you know you've got to be a broad niche <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. so um, that makes sense so that's that's a good book uh, and then we've got a few other things in, in, in the pipeline so uh, i mean it's because uh, i know so many great electronic music journalists and you, you know now we're kind of we're on the map a little bit I'm, I'm getting some really really interesting proposals so i mean it's all i mean i couldn't i couldn't wish for uh, a better better first 12 months uh, it's, it's all going really well and you know it's a shame what's happened recently obviously with the lockdown because yeah. you know but with so how many has, plans how has that affected you um, I mean, I'm lucky because I'm a, a one-man band. It's still really, really very. I haven't got any employees. It's just me. Um, you know, again, I invested quite a lot in a really good e-commerce platform for us. So I, I sell a lot of books myself on the website um, on velocitypress.uk. Uh, so I'll be still. You know, obviously, post offices have still been open. I've still been able to. Sales have come coming in. I can go out there and and I can. You know, they're still ticking over. Um, so like I'm lucky in some ways it's still quite early and I've managed to kind of even though the printers are still open you know I've managed to kind of do this book this Junior Tomlin book you know to, to get it uh, out it's, I suppose the main way it's affected is, is not being able to kind of get out and for events there was loads of events I mean especially State of Base we were just about to go in and go on the road and do this uh, really cool tour we had about five or six dates all over the UK um, you know with some some real good plans so doing, doing events and it's, I love going out to the events, you know, meeting people, you know, fellow music fans, you know, kind of talking to them and sitting on stage and kind of chatting with the author. Because the thing about the authors, you know, you, it's a great relationship you have with them, but you're basically, it's via the internet, so it's emails, or you may be talking the phone a little bit, but, you know, but actually getting to spend time with them, getting to know them, you know, getting that bond, that bond with them sitting with them on stage you know, having a laugh and playing some music and like say, meeting the fans that's that's what I enjoy and the same with Junior Tom we're not going to be able to do that so that that's the way it's affected me the most but you know I can't complain compared to a lot of other people um, I can handle that you know that's, that's no problem Are you reading anything at the moment? Uh, yeah yeah I'm actually reading a book on uh, Joy Division um, yeah yeah like I say I've still got my Mindy roots like I still still, still love uh that you know, I love music nonfiction. That's the thing. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I read a lot of uh, fiction as well, but um, that's part of the reason why I, I even set up Velocity Press in the first place. Was um, there's so much good music nonfiction, but so very, very small kind of uh, niche of books. There's not many on electronic music and club culture, yeah. um, but I, I love reading. Uh, you know, all, all types of books. Oh, that's that's perfect. What would you say if I left? Okay, here's a question for you. I like to ask people: If you were left on a desert island and you are only allowed to bring one book with you, what book would mm -hmm. you bring, and why would you bring that particular book? Oh man, oh. <laughs> on the spot or what? Uh, I um, like those ones. It's have to be quite a long book. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Tricky one. I was also going to say, if you had one album to bring with you, what album would you bring? 
Yeah, that's even that's even harder. Um, <laughs> The the Dice Man was always a book that I really, I mean, I read that so quickly. Like I say, no, I absolutely devoured that book. That was a long, long time ago. Like that was a book I was going to, and a book you just, you know, you kind of can't do. Very controversial book, actually. Like I say, maybe not the PC these days, but um, but that that was a book. I it was very very funny, you know, um, and enjoyed that. Book uh, called Line the Crying Heart. Um, uh, yeah, so kind of maybe that one. Um, I could kind of probably enjoy reading that one. Um, music, I mean, oh man, I'm not going to go for Boards of Canada. Music is the right to children. Yeah, I love that album. Like I said, that is, I, mean, I can, I can. It's got to be something that stands up, you know, to repeated listening. Uh, and yeah, that one. I mean, but there's so many other. Good, good, good music out there. Like I saying, uh, it's funny because I mean a, a lot of these kind of, uh, you know, and obviously on Facebook at the moment people yeah. are doing their, their top tens. Nobody ever did nominate me. Like I saying, but I was, I was in, my, in, my mind, in, in my mind, I was kind of like working my top ten. I, I was thinking of just nominate myself just to put them out there. Yeah, Why not? You seem a bit sad. But... <laughs> no, it's not at all. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah. So they kind of, uh, they kind of. I was thinking about the kind of the, the, the ten albums, like I say. But yeah, music is the right to children. Is probably uh, one that I can I can still listen to, you know, uh, on repeat and not get bored with it. What was that? Was that the first album you listened to? But what was the first album you actually listened to that made you feel music and made you want to get into oh, the music that's easy. genre? That's, that's easy. The Beatles, White, the ah, White okay. Album. Yeah. The White <laughs> Album. It's funny because I'm, I'm one of my friend's dad's on like a record shop, and he gave us like the Red Album, which is obviously the the greatest hits yeah, to about 60, 63 to about sixty six. This was probably about eight or nine. I was. Um, and he gives the blue, but it was kind of the, the that's the the rest the best of from like sixty seven to about seventy. And the white album, which the white albums are the only actual kind of uh, you know stand. It's not a compilation, yeah, it's a you know a, an artist album, and it's got so much weird stuff on there. I mean, it's even got over the deal, blah which I hate. Um, probably my my least favorite Beatles song, <laughs> but the rest of the album, like I said, it's got you know Helter Skelter, you know Blackbirds, it's, and then that was because obviously the other other albums got all the singles on it but this got this has got all the kind of the, the weird kind of things on it um revolution number no. nine it's, yeah, that really opened my mind up like and i loved that album like i said that was probably the first album that kind of i was like yeah you know this is this is great how do you how do you take criticism i know everybody takes criticism in a different way but when it comes to getting books published for the author and also yourself how are you when you hear something back about your book or things getting published or the way you do things how are you with criticism and what advice would you give to other people about criticism don't take it too hard i mean uh, i think we're our own worst critics sometimes i i i am you know sometimes i notice things and i kind of and i really kick myself for it and i and i blow it out of proportion uh, and i and it's not that bad. People don't kind of care. But sometimes, you know, when you've got to expect criticism that comes with the territory, you're putting your head above the parapet, 
you know, and, and you've got to, and if you and if you don't, you'll never get anything done. And you just got to take it on the chin. And as long as it's nothing too personal, you know, as I'm saying, it's usually it's for a reason. You've got to look at a person's point of view for for, for why they're saying it. Uh, and as long as it's legitimate, I'll take it on the chin, and I'll kind of think, yeah, and I'll you know I'll make sure I do better next time. You know, it won't stop me from doing what I'm doing, and I'll come back. You know, and I'll I'll try to make sure like that this person, for whatever reason, they criticised me before, won't have an opportunity to do it again. Or I'll, I'll use to improve myself. Oh, but yeah, don't 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 beat yourself up. Okay, what one thing would you give up to be a better publisher? So, if there was anything that you could give up and say, "I'm going to give you this talent," so it makes me a better publisher, what would you give up? Uh, what talent would I give up? It could be a talent. It could be the way you do things and something else, just so that you're a better publisher, mm. or to be a better publisher. Is there anything that you feel that you would give up to be a better publisher? Mm, it's a tricky one um, I don't know I mean the one thing I don't know what giving up but it would make me a better publisher is, is I would I would want to be a better writer um, I'd want to be, be able to be able to publish my own books um, that would make me a better publisher I feel that would be that would be that'd be great I'm not I'm not I'm, I'm, I can write I'm, I started off as a writer I'm, I'm, a, I'm a decent competent writer but I can never write I'm, 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 I'm maybe a kids like I say but I think you could would, I think it's just maybe a, a, an adventure for you that you, ha- that you haven't really yeah. gone into maybe one thing with I suppose I mean, with, with writing which I, I take I'm, I'm such a slow writer you know it okay. takes me you know a good writer can just bosh it out you know what I mean that would it'd take me five times like I say in that amount of time they would take it or more to, to get I'm, I'm really slow is so there, I'm, is I'm there being, a reason behind that Colin is there a reason behind <laughs> the just, just slow, you know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just it just takes me it just takes me it just takes me a while to kind of get it, you know. I think some some people are just naturals, you know. And I'm 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 not a natural writer, okay. um, you know. I'm I'm a decent, good kind of competent writer. Well, but I'm at not least you're honest about it as well. Because, yeah, yeah, that's right. You got, you got to know the strengths. Yeah, and I quite agree. I mean, when I first set up knowledge, um, I was doing all the writing, and then I kind of slowly but surely I kind of evolved and kind of you know delegated i knew my strengths lay and i, I could write but the amount of time it took me my, my time was better spent elsewhere being like editor and publisher that's where my strengths lay and i, and I, and I realized that and I, and I knew there was better writers out there than me and i kind of let them kind of do their thing what's the most difficult part of your artistic process when it comes to book publishing and being a writer what's the hardest thing do you think for you um, I think it's it's hard sometimes, you know, giving feedback and criticising kind of when when you don't like something, especially you know when it, when it's a writer. Like I was saying, again, we're talking about criticism. They've got to be able to kind of handle kind of criticism and not take it kind of too personally. And kind of again, there's probably those good reasons why I'm saying that. But that's never an easy thing. That's that's always very difficult to kind of just to to tell the kind of writer. Like I saying, you know. They need to chop this or chop that or do this differently or kind of that's not good, you know. Uh, that's that's not an easy sort of thing. But again, if they're a good, experienced writer, they, they know that's part and parcel. Well, again, it just depends what where, where they are in their journey of, of yeah. being a writer. Well, what's the boundary? What boundaries would you say that you push for yourself and for the people you work with so you all can be better at what you do? I mean, I think it's that continual self-improvement, you know, kind of looking at kind of like, okay, I did that, that was good, but how can I make it better? Next time, how can I improve? 
it doesn't have to be a big improvement. It's just, you know, a small incremental kind of what can I do better? Like I say, and again, I, I think I used that example before with with, with knowledge. In, in the early days, like I say, and it was almost how can we just make each issue slightly bigger and better? Uh, and, and the last and like I say and that was the one you really noticed that you know after five or six years of doing it you know uh, and that's the thing again just always what I'm doing with your podcasts how can I just what, what can I do it might be a, a physical thing it might be kind of you know getting it wider distribution might be but how can I kind of make it slightly better than the last one what, how can I improve it you know there's always there's always room for improvement you know if there was one quote out there that would represent you as a person, what quote would you choose, and why would you choose that particular quote for you? Oh my god! Oh. Uh, hi. Oh. No, no. <laughs> um, I think if you've given me some uh, advance notice of some of these questions, I could have maybe prepared a wee bit more. Um, no, it's okay. I like I like it when it's random and it's on the spot because it gives people a chance to see how you think and feel about things mm, yeah um, quote some people don't have one they just go day I by really day think, like, I, mean, I think it's going to be something to do with kind of hard work and determination and kind of like you know I would I've never I can say I always knew I wanted to do something kind of creative um, when I was younger and, I, and, and I've never was the most creative when it came to kind of having an artistic talent but it's kind of I suppose something maybe again something about knowing your strengths and like I say and kind of being able to kind of realise and not be kind of deluded some people are just completely deluded about kind of where they are kind of you know if they're good at something or not and to have that kind of capacity to be able to kind of analyse and kind of look at kind of what you're good at and what you're not good at and like and do more of what you're good at and delegate to other people uh you know, where you're not and kind of use them to improve yourself. I mean, that's something that I kind of, a lesson that I kind of learned early. Again, because I was like, I always, I wouldn't consider myself being the most artistic and creative kind of person. I kind of always wanted to make music and I'm not, I don't DJ kind of, but I'm, yeah, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm still a creative person, um, but I would say it's more on the kind of the business and the kind of the project management kind of side of things. I kind of work with the artists, but it needs somebody kind of like me to kind of to bring these artistic projects to life. Um, and that's when I get from saying so it is kind of creative, but it's a bit more slightly removed, I suppose, than being a directly creative person. So. Is that actually a question? No, no, it makes sense. It makes total sense. It it helps. It, even if it's kind of structured yeah. around it, it helps. What would you? What is the best money you've spent on a book? What would you say is the best money that you've ever spent on a book? I don't know. Something I thought you were going to ask you actually a different question to be um, to start off with. The best money ever I've ever spent in anything was 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 a Mac Classic. Oh, um, okay. And then in 1993, that yeah. was kind of what you know it was little four megabyte um ram 40 megabyte hard drive all in one kind of little kind of unit like i'm saying that was uh, quite kind of prehistoric now looking at uh, computers are but that that was that was a, a kind of final piece in the jigsaw that let me set up knowledge magazine oh, wow. um, so that's like i said that was the kind of the best um money, you money spent. i've spent kind of anything that that money I, i've you know basically kind of let me kind of 
have this kind of career in some ways. Without that, I don't think I would have been able to, to do it. That was a kind of because a lot of kind of things were falling into place. So that was probably the, the best money I've spent on, on on any kind of object. But um, but um, book probably um, are you talking about value? Like I've seen no, just in the sense of like a book that you've bought to read. What's the best book you spent? You feel that you've spent your money on to read? So value for money in your in value. your eyes. Buy for money. Um, uh, I remember buying Slaughterhouse Five, Kurt Vonnegut Jr. Like I say, in in America when I went kind of over there, and that was kind of like bought in a second hand shop, and that actually is worth a lot of money. Now that kind of popped into my head, but to me, like I say, that was um, that kind of led me into kind of discovering him as well. Like I say, as a writer, like I was, I don't read so much of his these days, but but back when I was quite kind of. Yeah, around about twenty or something. I was absolutely loved his stuff, and that was that was a that was a, a good book. Um, yeah, that's that's probably a good one. But the the Illuminati trilogy as well. Uh, that's probably a, a good one to take to the, the Desert Island as well. It's kind of popped into my head because that is that's like <laughs> proper pick. It'd be a nice Desert so. Island, so you'll have a while. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. If you had infinity money, mm-hmm. what are a few things that you would change within? the publishing industry for you? What do you feel that you would change in the publishing industry if you had infinity money? Mm. Well, the actual industry itself or how I do kind of... Um, it could be both. It could be how you do things and well, how you would change you know what, it. I mean, setting up something to challenge uh, Amazon, Okay, I think, would be a good thing Amazon I like uh, don't get me wrong you know I mean I'm as guilty as anybody from buying things from Amazon but you know it's really uh, you know a, a, a good bookshop book specialist alternative to Amazon I think, I think would be good that, that, that treats um, book publishers a, a bit fairer I mean the amount of commission they take and they just completely have got such monopoly. They, they absolutely. I mean, like, like, like it's so, but, but publishing is no different. I mean, they're, they're in so many different industries and marketplaces now. But yeah, setting up, like I say, a, a, a really, really good online alternative to, to Amazon, um, uh, that would be probably what I would, what I would do, yeah. Define what success means to you. Define it in your interpretation. What does success mean to you in your way? Um doing what I want to do, you know, I mean, and, and that leads to, to, to happiness, like I say, and, um, just being able to survive and support my family, like yeah, I say, and, that you know, that's, that, that's success. That's what I'm saying, it's just not being greedy, you know, like I'm saying, kind of, don't want to make tons of money, but I want to make enough to, like, to, to be able to have a self-sustainable business. Uh, and being recognised for for what I do, and being able to to travel and you know meet people, that's 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 oh, success. Oh, that makes sense. Well, if you weren't doing book publishing and magazines, what do you think that you would be doing? If I hadn't kind of gone down this road, if you haven't gone down the road, I know we haven't touched yet about you being a speaker as well. But if you weren't yeah, I mean, doing those, probably uh, would have been. It was always going to be something in music. Um, 
it was funny because it was a bit of a path at that time because like I say we started you know before I did Knowledge magazine you know, I've moved to Bristol this is 93 and we set up a, like a jungle drum bass club called Roughneck Ting and my old school friend Marky Ledge he was kind of getting into um, making music at that point he set up his label and I was kind of uh, helping him kind of run his label and I was kind of doing Knowledge at the same time and it, and it was a kind of a crossroads well, I fought path where I kind of I basically said to Mark, listen, I can't really kind of be involved with the label anymore because you know I'm doing the magazine. I need to be involved with that like in 100. percent So if I hadn't like kind of set up the magazine, I probably would have kind of gone down the more the music you know, the music kind of uh, industry route. Like I say, been involved with like a record label. Mark, I mean, actually went on. I mean, he, he set up a band called Koshin. Um, who you know were really quite big in kind of about 2000, 2001. So probably now would have been more involved with the music industry. There's always going to be something with music, but like I said, it's just music and, and writing. And so I was probably in the, in the music industry somehow. You know, there's a, there's a record, maybe A and R, or uh, you know, the business, the business somewhere. Tell me a little bit about you being a speaker as well, because I know you're a speaker. So, so what is it about you being a speaker that helps you, or what do you actually do around being a speaker? Well, I mean, it's something I haven't really done that much of. It's something I'm trying to kind of pitch myself as I've kind of realised that I'm kind of have. I mean, I've been around a long time now, <laughs> and it's like that insight that I've got to kind of you know the '90s. I realise that kind of a lot of people don't don't have that, and they're very interested in it because things have changed so much. There was pre-internet days. It's like wow, you know, I'm saying you, you know, there's a life before the internet, and you, you know, so that insight and knowledge that I've got is, you know, is valuable, and you know, like a lot of people want to hear about that. So, I mean, I kind of obviously when I do book launches, uh, what I'll do is we'll, we'll go on tour, and I'll be the kind of the, the interviewer, kind of more your kind of position, and I'll be kind of asking the writer, kind of, but. Uh, Last year, um, I got invited to the Alberta Electronic Music Conference and I gave like a keynote speech um, on kind of basically electronic music media, kind of how it's changed in the last 25 years. Uh, I set up, you know, and talking about the kind of the pre-internet days and then the changes to internet, kind of how that affected the business then. So that's, you know, after kind of doing that, and I did, I did a few panels as well, I appeared in a few panels, and that's something that I... You know, I want to do more of. You know, as I'm saying, enjoy. Like I'm saying, you know, talking. I can talk all day <laughs> saying about things, and it's you know, it's, it's good fun. And you know, I have got a lot of good industry knowledge and insight. Yeah, um, you do. Yeah. And it's, as we were saying as earlier, it's um, it takes me out of my comfort zone. You know, I'm not a, a natural being in the kind of the limelight. I prefer kind of being in the background. Um, you know, but you know, and and it's good, and it's it's about. That's another kind of thing that's really important. The kind of your personal branding, um, getting out there, like I'm saying, uh, obviously there's building your brand as a company, but your your brand as a person as well. What what are you? What do you stand for? And you know, doing kind of appearing in public, public speaking is a great way to build that and get kind of get a reputation. And again, it's it's, it's just another way to get get out there and go to interesting places and meet interesting people. Um, you know, in this internet day and age, it's so easy just to sit there at your computer and never really kind of meet anybody. Yeah, but that's you know, true. Um, getting out there, the, the, the relationships that you make with people when you meet somebody face to face, as opposed to you know just speaking on the phone or online, is, is completely different. You know that goodwill that you engender. You know, like I'm saying, people will 
do things for you or you would do things for people that, you know, I always remember kind of going on some marketing, marketing course in, in the 90s and they were saying the, the value of face-to-face personal relations is, is so important and it's something that's always stuck with me and sort of getting, getting out there uh, and meeting people, like forcing yourself to do it, you know, finding ways to do it uh, is, is, is really important. How does that help you with your confidence? Because a lot of people who are speakers, you have to have some kind of confidence to enable oh, yeah, you to yeah, go out and speak definitely. in front of people. Yeah, I mean, I mean that uh, keynote speech I gave, I mean, I had to rehearse that, you know, so much. And I was just, you know, I had to sit down, like I was saying, I, I don't know, you know, it's got to be, can't be reading off your cards, you know, as I'm saying, the whole time, but you need to kind of, I, I'd never and really natural. done that before. Like, and, yeah. and it's, and it's, yeah, it was, it was, you know, speaking in front of 200 people, you know, that are really expecting you to come with some pearls of wisdom, you know, God, I mean, it was, it was nerve wracking, but again, you know, putting yourself through it, you know, preparing, you know, really, really preparing hard, really, you know, doing your groundwork and your research and then kind of doing it. And then afterwards, you know, some of the, the relief and the kind of the adrenaline and realizing that I can do it, you know, I can, you know, if you force yourself to do it, you know, um, you're capable of so many yeah, amazing things. That's true. I agree with yeah. you there. Most definitely. How do you feel like the music industry has changed in the genre of music that you have a niche in? Because from where it was back in the day to where it is now, how do you feel that it's changed and how do you feel the artists have changed? I mean, it's, it's the obvious one. It's just like, it's so hard to, to make a music, make a living off of you know, selling music now, um, and it's that, that's the biggest change in the, the internet. The value of music has just decreased so much. It's like a, like a lifestyle commodity now, and it's a shame. You know, I mean that you know that's that's changed. But again, it's suppose the access now. You know, um, it's it's people can get such great great access to good music through through the internet uh, that's probably the, the, the biggest change it's I mean the, the pros and cons um of things uh, i mean I, I think again kind of i don't know clubbing and music kind of going to go to clubs is still important but i don't think so i don't think it's that same kind of community spirit really of, of what it was you know so much but actually i mean it's been around like 30 years now kind of since acid house you can't expect it to stay the same and kids have got, have got their own things it seems to have kind of gone more to go on more to kind of more of a kind of festival kind of um you know bigger you know that's how it seems to have kind of gone it's, it's a shame that the, the small underground clubs that's what i love the most of the, the 100 200 300 capacity venues and they're struggling and they're struggling even more because of what's happening and it'll be it's gonna be interesting to see you know how things change coming out of lockdown with a lot of these venues it'll be sad to see a, a lot of them a lot of them have been struggling already i hope it's not the final nail in the coffin um with, with a lot of them um but so many people like i'm saying with the you find the communities online now and, and even with live streaming it'll be interesting to see again how what happens with, with this afterwards you know will this continue you know do people still need to go out physically to feel that part of community anymore you know as i'm saying i, I don't know like i'm saying that i hope i hope they do because again you know it was all about going out like i'm saying and that's that was what i enjoyed the most like i'm saying actually now there's festivals online so i don't know how that works yeah. for me but how does it work for you with festivals actually being online? 
It's not the same thing, is it? Yeah. You know, it's just, no, it's not. That. I mean, that's the thing. I could, I mean, that's the whole thing. I was at Glastonbury. I mean, I had some Glastonbury's. I, I didn't even see one band or anything, yeah. anything. I was just with my mates. Just the whole time just wandering around, yeah. you know, like seeing the whole weekends or festivals, you know, just, you know, having a laugh with, with your friends, you know, you didn't see anything, but you just had a great time, <laughs> you know. That, that was the, the young days, like I say. I think we were kind of, you know, inebriated, but, uh, oh, but yeah, but but you know, in that that community, that spending time with your friends and just being up all night, you know, and, uh, meeting just complete randoms and having a laugh, like I said, you need to, you don't, you don't, you don't get that. It's not all about seeing the DJ or seeing the band, yeah, you know, uh, at festivals, you know, um, it's about community. It's about you know having spending quality time with your friends, you know, kind of going to the after party, kind yeah. of go to some go to somebody's house afterwards, staying up all crashing, watch, yeah. <laughs> watch, watch, watching the sun come up, you know, you don't get that online. No, that's definitely no, that's definitely true. I think for the younger generation, I don't think they understand that. i mm. I think they need to experience that a lot more. I don't know how it will be when things go back to normal for clubs and bars and even when I'm mm. walking around. Um, because I'm also a key worker, um, mm-hmm. I'm walking around and everywhere is completely empty still. Yeah, and there's there's not anyone really out. Everything is closed, and you can see how much is affecting each business mm-hmm. or each club. So it's pretty sad yeah. that it's that way. I mean, it's going to take uh, forget this year. You know, even yeah, even next, loads of next people year, said that. Really, you know, I'm mean, still going to feel the after effects of this. Um, it's just weird. I mean, mentally, like people aren't ready for it. You know, it's going to take a long time before people feel comfortable being in a small, sweaty club, like I was saying, jam packed next to somebody. You know, it's just, yeah. <laughs> oh, what advice would you give to any inspiring authors or book publishers who want to do what you do? What advice would you give to them? Because you have so much knowledge on what you've been um, doing. For writers, just Right, just write it. If you think you've got an idea and you don't have a publisher, just 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 start writing it. Just start writing it. Like I'm saying, and you know, it will take time. It will take a lot a lot of time, but just get just get writing. And it might take five ten years. It might take longer. But like I'm saying, just gonna get writing. But at least when you do feel there's something ready there to start approaching, again, do your research, go out there, look at kind of um, book publishers doing something uh, similar. And again, I would say start small. You know, like I was saying, look, look for small publishers. Like they're the ones who are probably more likely to give you the time of day. Uh, and again, sometimes they might just give you feedback, even, even agents as well literary agents kind of just start approaching but again be professional and you know these people have got such limited time and you know i'm saying you want to make when you go there like i saying you, you go in the, in the correct manner um so you've got a, a good proposal maybe a kind of sample of your writing and again for, for a book publisher um i would say i mean i suppose i mean for a writer i suppose this is a self-publishing is, is such a great um option as well and that, that can lead to be a book publisher as well. But, you know, if, look at doing something. There's so many uh, resources and help online now. It's ridiculous. Like saying, if you Google, you know, self-publishing, like you'll come across so many things. Again, it might even just be as an ebook. You don't have to do it physically. You know, you can really keep, keep the cost down. Like I saying, but, but look at... How do you of, feel about ebooks, Colin? How do you yeah, feel? yeah, ebooks are fine. Yeah, no, no problem with ebooks. Like I say, it's funny, you know, you, you, book publishing is one of the last 
Well, in this, my particular field of book publishing, it's still about um, physical. Um, I would say I sell about 90% of my books um, physically, about 10% maybe ebooks. Um, some people prefer ebooks. It's obviously, if, if they're abroad, like I say, and I can understand because so much of the costs will be um, on, on the actual post. You know, it's going to be quite expensive. If you're in Australia, you know, the States can add like eight, ten pounds to your order. Yeah, um, that's true. You know, like I say, to, to buy it. So I can understand people want to. And I always want to have our books available as ebooks. But it's interesting. I mean, I always remember about ten years ago, you know, when Kindles and kind of ebooks came about, everybody was like, oh, the, the death of, of, of the physical book, you know. And it has and it has killed the magazine and the publishing industry. Uh, but books, are, and especially this kind of, you know, the music kind of non-fiction kind of, it's, it's people still want to, it's a superior authentic product, having the physical copy. People, you know, we've been, you think about it, you know, record, you know, the music industry is, what, hundreds, just over 100 years old, really. Kind of so, you know, in that time you've had, vinyl you've had cassettes and people are not too wedded to the format but books you're talking centuries you know you know people have had books have been available that's a connection that people are not going to give up easily um you know and it is something about the, the book i mean obviously academic publishing you're kind of you know people have kind of because they're quite expensive those books anyway that's seems to have gone more towards kind of digital but at the moment um physical's holding up fine with books so yeah i, mean, I, I don't view them as a threat or, or anything you know I, i'm happily publish my books uh, physically and and digitally oh, that's perfect colin where can we find you finally where can we find you and give us all your social media yes yeah, so Velocitypress.uk uh, is the website. So if you, if you go there, you can find out all about us and buy our books. Uh, on Twitter, we are uh, at Press Velocity. And I think on Instagram, we're Velocity Press Books off the top of my head. And I think it's the same on Facebook as well. Um, but the website is the, the, the place to go, velocitypress.uk. Perfect. Colin, I want to thank you so much for coming on the Yes People podcast and letting me pull so much knowledge from you today. No, no. Thank, thank you. Like thank you some so really much. interesting questions. You, you put me on the spot and made me feel uncomfortable <laughs> a few times. So, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 I'm saying it's, you know, some, some of these kind of desert island questions, you're just kind of like, I'll, I'll, I'll be later on today, I'll be thinking, oh, yeah, I forgot I that. Bet you, you, you can message me. That's fine. Just yeah. message me and say, Savia, I've got it. I've got it. And yeah, I've, got, I've, got, I've got the answer. <laughs> and I'll pull it and I'll pull it in the script at the bottom. I said, Colin yeah. finally found what he wanted to tell me and this is yeah, what it is. He changed his mind. He changed his mind. It's <laughs> <laughs> just totally fine. <laughs> Colin, thank you so much for coming on the Yes People podcast. Guys, no, thank you me. Oh, you're welcome. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the Yes People podcast. And please remember, you can subscribe to Spotify, iTunes, Google Play and any other platform that you prefer to listen to. Also, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter and also remember that you can donate to the Ask People podcast so we can continue to interview people like Colin here so please remember you can go in and just click paypal.me forward slash Ask People podcast or you can go on the Savvy Rocks website which is www.savvy.rocks and please remember to as always stay happy stay positive and continue to be kind to one another
Yeah, yeah. Should be doing your job. <laughs> <laughs>